You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. On Election Day Eve, a roundup of current cyber tensions, especially between the U.S. and Russia. Influence operations for sure, disruption possibly. Vote manipulation maybe, but probably not. U.K. retail bank Tesco shuts down online operations due to a wave of fraud. And Indian police say a rival service seems responsible for a July DDoS attack in Mumbai. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, November 7th, 2016. You may have heard that widespread concern about the prospects of Russian intelligence services hacking elections has prompted authorities to take measures they hope will contribute to securing the vote. Indeed, this is the case. Government officials in Montenegro have begun to upgrade the security of that country's voting apparatus as suspicions arise that Russian operations have been interfering with election sites. Oh, and there's also this election going on in the United States tomorrow. The Americans, too, seem to have the same case of the willies as the Montenegrins about Russian security services. That is, the APTs known as Cozy Bear and especially Fancy Bear. The most commonly voiced concerns fall into three categories. First, there's the prospect of direct manipulation of vote tallies by enemies both foreign, that would be the Russians, and domestic. Choose your own poison on this one, partner. Despite recent proofs of concept by Silence and others, direct hacking of votes, wholesale election theft on a scale not seen since the good old days of the Chicago machine, is generally regarded as unlikely. The second category of concern involves disruption of voting. Distributed denial of service attacks that might impede voting or delay counting are thought somewhat more likely, especially in the wake of the recent Mirai-enabled DDoS attacks that have put so many on their guard against this particular threat. On this second class of threat, the Mirai botnet provides a cautionary example. It now appears that last week's incident in Liberia was less devastating than initially reported, but botnet-driven DDoS remains a matter of concern. Andrew Howard, chief technology officer for Kudelsky Security, told the CyberWire, quote, This growing problem goes beyond unchanged default passwords left on devices. There is an urgent need for proven security tactics and technology for the IoT space. Companies of all types need to ensure customer devices and systems meet desired security levels at all stages of their life cycles, end quote. Without taking such steps, Howard said, companies run the risk of leaving the door open to attackers. 
Returning to election fears, there's the prospect of information operations designed to discredit the U.S. electoral system. These operations are widely believed to be well underway, and all signs in this regard point to Russia. Guccifer 2.0, the shadowy gadfly of the Democratic National Committee, who's generally regarded as a sock puppet for probably the GRU, has called upon his fellow hacktivists to monitor the U.S. elections. And we repeat, it's unlikely in the extreme that Guccifer 2.0 is a hacktivist along the lines of Guccifer 1.0. The call for monitoring carries a special sting for American targets, since good government election monitoring abroad has long been a traditional staple of U.S. public diplomacy. Guccifer 2.0, by the way, isn't the only nominal hacktivist out there doxing world leaders. Ukrainian hackers have released documents from a second email account linked to Putin aide Vladislav Surkov, the same guy Mr. Putin says doesn't even use email. Like earlier leaks, they purport to show aggressive Russian designs against Ukraine. WikiLeaks released another tranche of leaked emails over the weekend. They continue to be more of the bad-looking stuff that's emerged from the Democratic National Committee and Clinton campaign accounts. WikiLeaks itself claimed it experienced a DDoS attack shortly after it released the latest set of emails, but the site appeared to be up and functioning as of this morning. Twitter also experienced an outage earlier today, but that appears to have been an engineering error and not an attack, despite the initial paranoid reactions across the Internet. And the FBI over the weekend announced that it's looking through Anthony Weiner's laptop. His laptop computer, that is and not so far found anything that would lead it to recommend indicting Hillary Clinton for mishandling classified information. There have been various dark hints in recent weeks about planned or at least possible U.S. retaliation against any Russian electoral hacking, and senior U.S. officials and industry figures have certainly discussed retaliatory options in the event of a clearly attributed cyber attack. Over the weekend, the Russian press has reported U.S. penetration of Russian critical infrastructure networks, and the Russian government has demanded an explanation. There's been no public U.S. response beyond continuing efforts on the part of state governors and the Department of Homeland Security to reassure the public of the integrity of the voting system. Forcepoint, who's been following election-related chatter closely, noted to us late this afternoon that, influence operations aside, the FBI has found, quote, malicious actors scanning and probing state voter databases for vulnerabilities, end quote. The actors were operating from servers hosted by a Russian company, but the probes and scans aren't, so far at least, being attributed to the Russian government. Election hacking aside, authorities are following Internet chatter by al-Qaeda and other jihadist groups that appears intended to inspire physical attacks on locations associated with voting. State and federal authorities are on their guard and pursuing several lines of investigation. It is with somber relief that we turn to ordinary cybercrime, which is bad enough but seems somehow more tractable than election influence. Tesco Bank, a major consumer bank in the UK, halted online transactions after at least 20,000 customers were hit with fraud and a further 40,000 experienced attempted fraud. It's a big enough caper with enough lessons to be learned that we offer some of the reactions we've received from security experts. Shane Stevens from Vasco Data Security told the CyberWire this demonstrates the need for banks to, quote, take a step back and assess their endpoint access and all their layers of security, end quote. Mark Wilson, director of product management at StealthBits Technology, framed the issue for us this way, 
quote, The big question is, how did the perpetrator get access to 40,000 accounts? Internet banking utilizes multi-factor authentication. Were two-factor authentication tokens compromised? If so, that could cast a shadow across the whole online banking and finance sector, end quote. He also noted that Tesco isn't just a retail bank. It's also the largest grocery retailer in the U.K., and it offers a range of services including mobile telecommunications, Internet services, insurance, and credit services. Wilson said that, quote, unless Tesco segregates those platforms, it stands to reason that they may also be at risk, or perhaps already compromised, end quote. Kunal Anand, CTO and co-founder of Prevoti, said to the CyberWire, quote, It's one thing to steal your identity, it's another thing to steal your money. There is even more pressure on financial services organizations like Tesco to have more controls within their network, endpoints, and applications, including RASP, to monitor and protect against fraud. The raw data from these controls, combined with anomaly detection, could allow organizations to react faster and help reduce overall fraud, end quote. He thinks Tesco has some investigation and remediation left to do. One final note on cybercrime and prospective punishment comes from India, where police in Mumbai have concluded that a DDoS attack on a major Internet service provider wasn't the work of criminal gangs or foreign security services after all. It seems instead a rival ISP mounted the attack. That rival is so far unnamed, but stay tuned. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business.
Joining me once again is Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst with the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Uh, ben, it seems like uh, our election here in the United States is right around the corner. And I wanted to check in with you to see uh, what do we know, if anything, about our two major candidates, uh, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, uh, about their positions when it comes to cybersecurity and things like surveillance. Well, Dave, we actually know relatively little. It hasn't played a huge role in the campaign. I know uh, it actually came up at the first debate. Donald Trump famously said that uh, his son, Barron, was very proficient at at computers, and that was sort of a segue into talking about the importance of cybersecurity. I think on the electronic surveillance side, both Secretary Clinton and Donald Trump would be more favorable to some of the bulk electronic surveillance programs than the Obama administration. It's worth pointing out the Obama administration was actually quite favorable to electronic surveillance. For example, after the uh, 2015 San Bernardino attacks, uh, Secretary Clinton called for an intelligence surge and for increased monitoring on uh, social media for uh, suspected terrorists. Again, all things that the Obama administration has has done. But, you know, I haven't seen her comment on some of the Edward Snowden divulged information, uh, such as the phone records program or the collection of the content of online communications under the FISA Amendments Act. So it will be interesting to see uh, if either of the candidates take a firm policy stance on that. I think a lot of it will determine uh, will be determined by what happens in Congress. Uh, certainly, generally, Democratic lawmakers are slightly more eager to chip away at some of the, the excesses of the electronic surveillance programs. But there was a, a bipartisan coalition to pass the USA Freedom Act, which ended the NSA's collection of bulk metadata back in 2015. And that was really the first time since 9-11 that such a program had been curtailed in that way. Uh, so I think it's certainly something worth paying attention to. It's such a critical and important issue and has, has played such a small part uh, in our presidential campaign. So it's certainly something to pay attention to. All right, Ben Yellen, uh, time will tell. Thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. 
Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.